working on Nento. He'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot, and he hits it at the buzzer. No time left, and the Rockets have won the game. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I'm your co-host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And you can find my written work on the Dream Shake, which is presented by SB Nation. As you can see, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Anthony Davis. Davis. <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Duckett. Wishes, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Anthony Duckett. I'm the real AD. I'm the real see, that's AD. why I do just say AD. So how you doing today, AD? <laughs> I'm good now, man. Well, I was at first, but not now. <laughs> um, I'm sorry if I threw you off there for a second. Uh, but uh, before we get before we start and we introduce our guests, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your content? Good All right. Uh, right now, I'm just on Twitter. Um, Vader is uh, Vader underscore H underscore town. Um, I'm all about Houston content. I post uh, primarily about the Rockets, but um, I have been dabbling in some Houston Texans and some Houston Astros content. Um, I try to keep it. I'm a super fan. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, my, my takes are a little – sometimes they're a little over the top. I try to keep it uh, – I try to keep some perspective. Um, it's, it's, it's jokes. You know what I mean? Um, I, I really love my, my local teams. So, um, I'm kind of – every now and again, I do get into a little, uh, you know, back and forth with guys on Twitter that are uh, with other teams. Nothing, nothing yeah. malicious, you know, no name calling or anything like that. But, you know, I rep my guys. I rep my city. And um, I'm here for this uh, this Houston talk, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we were talking about before we got on um, how you were part of Clutch Fans a long time ago. And, you know, you just got back on Twitter recently. And, and me and AD were saying how much we love your content. That's definitely why we wanted to have you on today. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And the topics we're going to talk about today in the first segment, we we're going to break down the schedule, um, some interesting games that we th- that we saw on the schedule that we're looking forward to and kind of give a, a brief prediction on the first 15 or 20 games. We're not going to go game by game, but kind of just give an overall record of what we think the Rock is going to be in the first 19 or 20 games, because the first 13 out of 19, if I'm not mistaken, are all road, ga- are road games. Um, so they're, they're going to be on the road a lot to start the season. The first 10, like six or seven of the uh, first 10 are against teams that were in the playoffs last year i mean really tough games um but if you're rebuilding i guess that's that's a good thing you don't really have to worry that much about wins or losses so it's probably a help in the rebuilding to go against you know tough teams to start the season so that'll be real interesting to see how the Rockets start off the season but that's kind of where i want to start um i'll start with you vader what what is your or what games are you looking forward to in the first part of the season the first 20 or so games Okay, well, first of all, like you, you said all that stuff about how difficult the schedule was at the beginning. Yeah. I see us go- challenging that twenty-two game winning streak. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That would be uh, remarkable. Is that? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. But you know, like realistically, I mean, we have a tough game right out right out the box right there with yeah. Atlanta. That is a tough game. Now that they have the Dejounte Murray with yeah. Trey Young, I mean, that is a difficult game. But I'm, I'm very interested in that first game. I mean, it's the season opener on October 19th. And so 
just to see. I'm, I'm interested to see how KPJ has grown over the summer. He's really been in the gym. He's been working out. And to go up against his uh, one of his childhood friends uh, who has also kind of overcome, you know, a similar background as far as like, you know, having some struggles and then kind of overcoming it and getting that big contract, which is exactly what KPJ is trying to do right now. Yeah. And then you have Trey Young, who's he's established himself. I know he had a rough uh, he had a rough out uh, against Miami in the playoffs, but my uh, Miami is a great defensive team. They pretty much make give it, give everybody hell. So yeah. I'm expecting a bounce back from him. He's going to be super motivated. They're going to want to come out and they they will definitely want to set the tone for the season. And they gave up a lot to bring Murray in. So yeah. just that first that first game, you have the Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. matchup with uh, with Murray and Trey Young. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. And then if you look at the second game, which is our home opener, and that's on a Friday, October 21st, we get John Morant. You know, yep. so like I think the first the first two games are are definitely uh, must watches, and then of course the third game is against Milwaukee. So like we do have a very uh, tough schedule right out the right out the box, but I'm definitely going to try to go to that Memphis game uh, against John Moran, and then that that looks like a must a must see must go to. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at it last year, the Rockets had some really good games against uh, Memphis. Um, we remember they. Actually beat Memphis last year um, with John Morant there, and would actually shut down John Morant for mo- uh, most of the game. So I think that's definitely going to be a, a really interesting game. Uh, Ad, so what's some of the games you're looking forward to uh, to start the season? So first off, I got the Rockets winning five games in the month of November. I think they'll take that. Uh, which I think that's like twenty-one or twenty-two games uh, in yeah. November. Uh, one of the games I want to see is Orlando because I, I want to see Jabari. I think Jabari is going to be motivated yeah. uh, because he, you know, he had expected to go there and it passed on him. So I think in his mind, he's going to always have a me versus Paulo, you know, type of rivalry, internal rivalry, kind of like yeah. Jalen and um, Kate. Um, I also am looking forward to seeing the Minnesota game because I feel like that's kind of the. <laughs> They are kind of the blueprint of eh, yeah. blueprint, but kind of where we will be. I guess the next step, not this season, but whenever we take that leap, I feel like it'll be a Minnesota type of leap. I want to see the Anthony Edwards versus Jalen Green, especially yeah. Jalen Green having a little bit more muscle. You know, Jalen Green kind of going into second year, you know, a lot more confident as a scorer, um, a lot more natural. Also, want to see Singoon uh, versus Cat because yeah. I got. Tired of seeing Christian Wood versus <laughs> against any center, honestly. I was about to say, the Christian Wood against any center, I was definitely tired of seeing that. Yes, period. But yeah, you mentioned some good games, man. That that like the Memphis game, like we said, that was a that was a great breakout game in my opinion for Jalen Green. Um, yeah. It gave me like a different level of confidence in him because I was like, he just unleashed this crazy dribble package that I feel like I hadn't seen him yeah. use before. Like that move he did on Brandon Clark that we see over and over again. Oh where yeah, he did like yeah. Now, you, you know, I, it, it deserve it doesn't even need an introduction. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. He did like an in and out. He went between his legs, crossover, step, step back. back yeah. You know, and then like the ball, like he shot one of those moon balls that he always uh-huh. shoots, and it it hit nothing but the bottom of the net, and yeah. that was like. And then, like, just other uh, during the game, he was taking a job Morant off the dribble, getting to the basket at will. And so, like, it was that was one of those moments. And I was like, OK, I think we made the right the right decision. I, I felt like he was a good pick. You know, um, he started the year off slow. Mobley started the year off pretty, you know, in a pretty good position. He had yeah. established himself as the early favorite for Ricky of the year. Um, and Jalen Green kind of had to like, oh. 
my, my lights went off over here. Let me get up and, and cut them back on. But uh, yeah, that, that Memphis game. And then I'll come back. Let me get these lights back on, man. This is crazy. No, you're good. Yeah, we're, we're, what about you, Lashar? What are your expectations on the first 20 games, 22 games or so? Month of November. So I, I'm, I'm saying, I would say about the same five, six wins. I think that's kind of a benchmark I think they should be expecting. I mean, if you if you look at it, I mean, like I said, a lot of these games are on the road. Of course, you don't really know what these teams are going to be until you actually see them because last year we may have thought the Lakers were going to be a really tough team all year and they end up not even making the playoffs. So you never really know who's going to yeah. be good at what point. But just going by what we saw going by their rosters, I'll probably say five or six wins is, is, is realistic for the Rockets. If they get anything over there, I think they would be extremely happy with that. I mean, um, like Vader was saying, I'm looking forward to the first two games, uh, the game against uh, Memphis, the home opener, and, of course, the game against Atlanta because the Rockets actually got to win against Atlanta. I mean, saying you got to win against a team shouldn't be a big deal, but for the Rockets, who only had a handful of wins, any wins was a big deal. I actually remember that game that they won in Atlanta where they came back in the fourth quarter. Um, And then also towards the end of the year, uh, when Jalen Green had his career high, even though they lost a the game, but I mean, who at that point nobody really cared about the wins and losses. They yeah, would just want to see to lose that game, right? <laughs> exactly. They wanted to see Jalen Green go off for his. I think he had forty-one points in that game, right, so I yeah. think that's all anybody really cared about in that game. So, I mean, definitely seeing him against Atlanta and their new backcourt. I think at that point they'll probably be healthy. Collins will probably be back in the lineup. He'll be healthy. So, I mean, it'll still be a really tough game. And then also, I'm looking forward to them playing Oklahoma City. Yeah, um, that's going to be a, a good game because for some reason there's a rivalry brewing between Oklahoma City and Rockets. I think it's they have Rockets because <laughs> they have our picks, and also I think it goes all the way back to the James Harden being yeah, traded too. to the Rockets. I mean, Russell ever Westbrook. since Russell Westbrook, so it's a lot of different ties. And then you got the Chet Holmgren versus Jabari yeah. Smith, so that's a whole nother thing. And then another one, of course, is going to be the Christian Wood revenge game um, against the uh-huh. Dallas Mavericks. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. I know he's going to be really motivated, but from what I heard, I don't even know if he's going to be starting because um, I've heard that it's a possibility he's going to be coming off the bench. Yeah. So I have, I have a theory. I have a conspiracy yeah. theory about why that why that yeah. news broke. All right, so you, got- um, you know that. Uh, we've heard that he has not always been like the most the, the best locker room guy, right? He's yeah. kind of um, and I think uh, when he came here, he kind of after James Harden was traded, I kind of feel like he took on the like this is my team kind of attitude, right? Yeah. And um, I just think that in combination with like his his past, I think when when we traded him to Dallas, I think they kind of want to set the tone for him coming in, like hey, you know, we want you, we need you, we value you. But this yeah. is a team that is good without without you. We made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year without True. you. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they're telling him they're not going to start him right off the bat just to kind of humble him, just to kind of like I don't want to say put him in this place because that gives a like that doesn't give the connotation that I want to <laughs> give. But <laughs> yeah. um, you know, just bring him in like, hey man, you may not start. You got to earn it. You know, this isn't your team. This is Lucas' team. Um, you need to come in and you need to you need to do the little things. You need to fit in. You need to play defense. You need to be a good teammate. And then maybe, you know, you can work yourself into, you know, that starting position. But because let's be honest, like he he should be starting on that team. I don't think there is any question that he is the most talented player at on that team at that position. Yeah. Um, I think Jason Kidd is this is a way for Jason Kidd to be like, hey, um, I need you to defend, man. Like 
we we saw like some some minimal effort at times. Let's just yep. be nice. And yeah, it's uh, been very nice. Right. And so, <laughs> like I think if you if you set the tone and you and you put you laid the groundwork early, like there are no surprises. Like this is our expectations of you when you come in. Um, and if you fulfill those ex- expectations, um, you'll get everything you want to get, which is which is being a starter. But right now, you got to earn it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, Dorian Finney-Smith is usually the, the, their power forward, and then they had Dwight Powell, who was basically a, a a road cone in the playoffs where he wasn't even playing that much at all. They, they He basically just played out of the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really yeah, good point. They brought because, in JaVale McGee, too. Yeah, they brought in JaVale McGee, but he can only play, like, limited minutes yeah. at this point in his career. So I, I think that's a really good point. I think it's like, hey, look, we like what you bring, but we also saw that pretty much every single center had a career high against you at some point last year. So we're going to need you to come into camp and actually show that you're going to give all-out effort on the defensive end. So at that point, at the end of November when they actually play the Rockets, I think that, yeah, he'll probably be starting at that point. And then we'll see what happens between him and Shangoon. Um, I think Shangoon is going to have a really good game because even oh, even if even if Christian Wood gives maximum effort, it's just so much – he has limitations on defense. Let's just yeah, be honest. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely a game where we're going to see Shane Goon uh, actually go out and say, Hey, I should have been starting the whole last year anyway. So I'm really looking forward to that game. And as AD mentioned, the Minnesota game, just because every single time the Rockets played Minnesota, it's seen the last two years, the Minnesota Timberwolves have tried to like clown the Rockets. You saw Anthony Edwards telling uh, Silas to call a timeout. Last year when Silas got thrown out, Carl Anthony Towns was acting like they just won a championship or something. Uh, yeah, in Minnesota the was year. different last year, man. Yes. That, that Patrick Beverly brought, brought like a whole different like demeanor exactly. and attitude. <laughs> they were they were they had some moments last year. The whole thing with Westbrook, where they were clowning Westbrook. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot you know, about that. Patrick, yeah. Patrick Beverly, we won the championship when we won the playing thing, where he got <laughs> up on the table and like threw his shirt and all that. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota was just on some different energy last year. <laughs> Yeah, they made it a point to show the Rockets that, yeah, we're blowing you out. We're much better than you are. So, I mean, I, I got to believe a lot A lot of these young Rockets are, are definitely going to remember that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how exactly that's going to play out. And then you got Rudy Gobert. And, you know, yeah. if Eric Gordon is still on the roster, he'd probably have another career high because he just loves playing against Rudy Gobert yeah, he when he was over with Utah. So I'm really guard looking forward doesn't. to that game. <laughs> yeah, what guard doesn't at this point? So I, I – I still don't really understand what Minnesota is doing. I mean, I know that they want to try to improve their defense, but man, that is taking a big risk bringing on that that amount of money and giving up that amount of picks. But I guess that's Minnesota problem, not necessarily the Rockets problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, hey, see, Carthen Towns, we're trying to do something. You know, please don't leave us. Kind of move, I guess. Right. Um, but head scratcher. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a fan of the fit, but I'm. Yeah. But I'm intrigued. I'm interested, right? And so. I'm sure that their season ticket holders and their fans are kind of interested to see how this is going to work. But like on paper, it just looks weird to me. I don't I don't understand the whole Gobert and um and Carl Anthony Towns combination. Well, was a crazy yeah. asking price though. I mean, that asking price was insane, and they paid that. And they were yeah. the only team. They were probably the only team that was going to pay that price too. Only team. Yeah, and it seemed like the Rockets kind of set the standards for picks uh, when yeah. it comes to. I mean, I guess Rudy Gobert's a superstar player, um, or at least a star, at least a star level player. He's a superstar player on the defensive end. Defender, but, defender, yeah, 
yeah. But, I mean, a star-level player, because we see what New York, what are they asking for? Our, uh, Utah is asking for, what, six first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. So, and then the same thing with, I mean, I think um, Brooklyn was asking for even more for Kevin Durant. So, but that I makes mean, sense to me, at least. So yeah. I was, I'm curious because, like, you constantly saw every year, even back when we used to play them, like, he wasn't getting played off the floor because, I mean, you don't really want to take Rudy Gobert off the floor. But yeah. at some point in time, he did kind of look like a liability defensively when defense is supposed to be your strong suit. Yeah. Um, and you're getting cooked out there because you're having to go out and switch out on guards. And and so, like, I was talking to some Utah fans, and they were insistent that, you know, it wasn't Rudy Gobert's fault. It's some of these other guys, the pieces that are around him. But now he's in a situation where they've had to give up like Patrick Beverly in order to bring him in. So you're giving up yeah. some of those perimeter defenders that you need to surround him with in order to kind of keep him from looking like a C yeah. on defense and in the playoffs. So I don't know, man. I don't I don't get interested to watch it because it'll give me stuff to make videos about and, and <laughs> get in a, uh, you know, get into some stuff with some Minnesota fans with, you know, but hey. Yeah, I mean, I because I, he's going to have the same situation he had in Utah where the guards aren't going to be able to keep anybody out of the paint, and then he's going to have to try to somehow play, be able to play five out, be able to still guard everybody else's man because, I mean, if you look at it, Carl Anthony Towns isn't exactly a defensive stopper himself. At all. So, I mean, I, I don't really understand what's going to be the big difference between Utah's perimeter def- defense and Minnesota's. But, again, like you, like you were saying, Vader, we'll find out. I think we'll find out actually pretty fast because teams are going to make it a point to put him in every single pick and roll and see if he can do anything about it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and another thing I, I kind of wanted to talk about when we were talking about the schedule, um, were you surprised that the Rockets only got one uh, nationally televised game? I, I mean, I know they said NBA TV, but I, honestly, any, NBA TV doesn't count. Um, really, we're talking about ESPN, TNT, and ABC. Were either one of y'all surprised that the Rockets only got one game, or is that sounds about right for a team that's still rebuilding? To me, that sounds about right. I wasn't surprised at all. Um, first of all, Rockets never really got a lot of love from the media anyways. Yeah. But on top of that, I mean, you look at, you know, the last thing they want to see see or show is a game where the game's already decided by halftime or down 30. You know, that's just not really what you want to see on primetime TV. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's where we're at right now. So, you know, to me, that makes sense. It makes sense. That's a good point. But I say forget that, man. I, you got Jalen Green, who is probably, to me, one of the most exciting. I'm, I'm not being a homer, but I think he's one of the most <laughs> exciting young players in the game. I mean, his his speed – his uh his dunking, his uh ability to hit three point. I mean, he does everything. Like he does everything that you would want to see from a person at his position that is marketable. But for some reason, it's almost like because he came to Houston, Jalen Green is not seen as this uh, marketable player. I feel like if he would have went somewhere else, I feel like he would be getting a lot more love and attention because like I see other guys who like say, you know, like let's 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 say Anthony Edwards for example. Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Uh, John Moran, for example, they say and do things on on social media that I feel are way worse than anything. Oh yeah, ever done on social media, and they like, yeah. oh, that's cool. You know, they they laugh it off, or they, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards is is very cocky. He's and they like, oh, it's just him being confident. You know, Jalen Green in a jo- in an interview says that he's a bucket, and you know, Twitter goes crazy. Like yeah. he just, all he said that they asked him, what did he learn about himself this season? And he's like, I learned that I'm a bucket. He, I learned that I can score, you know, when I, when I, when I want to, 
but and they completely took it and they twisted it. And you got yeah. Anthony Edwards on on social media, and he's saying, "No, I could be a professional football player. I can pretty <laughs> much do anything that I want to do because I'm yeah. the best at everything." Oh, and they eat that up. So, like, I, I don't like the fact that I feel like, um, and you know, this is just years. You guys, you guys know y'all y'all live in Houston, but it's just years and years of just feeling disrespected by the media, and I don't like it. it, it and it, and I feel like it it goes all the way back to our our football teams. Like everything, like I don't, we we always have like this chip on our shoulder as a city that we aren't getting our just due, and I feel like one, you know, one nationally televised game is a slap in the face, especially when you got when you have Jalen Green, you have uh, Jabari Smith Jr., who was the third pick in the draft, and yeah. he, who was being hyped up, mind you, for months that he was going to be the first pick in the draft, but as soon as he fell to third to us, oh, he's not that good, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Everybody was talking. Everybody was talking about how, man, this is the, the, the best thing to come into the NBA in a while at that position as far as being a, a 6'10", 3 and D player. And um, then suddenly when he's on the Rockets, he is not seen with uh, viewed in the same regard. That's how I feel. I don't know if you guys kind of see that as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's true about the disrespect for Rock. I know people have been saying for the longest that Rockets fans are too sensitive, but this goes all the way back to the 90s when the Rockets were actually winning championships and I remember when they won the second championship, they didn't even put them on the cover initially on Sports Illustrated. And being on the Sports Illustrated cover was a huge deal back in the day, back in the 90s. I mean, that was really the only magazine. I mean, you had Slam that eventually came in. But as far as basketball, I mean, Sports Illustrated was it. The Rockets won the championship. They weren't even put on the cover. I mean, the disrespect towards the Rockets has been going back a long time. And I think that a perfect example is I think like a, a player like Emmanuel quickly is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he, since he's in the New York market, it's, he, he's blown up even more than his ability. And that goes for a lot of other big name players. If they play for New York or they play for LA. I mean, I remember Alice Caruso. I mean, my guy, you thought he was the second coming when he was playing yeah. with the Lakers. It was crazy. So yeah. I, I'm not surprised the Rockets only got one game just because yeah, it's still a lot of bias towards the Rockets, even though I mean, Houston is what, top seven media market tv market yeah. i mean the third largest city probably be the second largest city for not you know not too distant future yeah, so yeah. yeah so i mean it just goes back to a lot of people still don't like the rockets it goes back to the maury days even though it's kind of funny now it seems like maury is kind of a media darling now <laughs> that he's with philadelphia you remember he's when james Harden first went to brooklyn and they were like oh man when did he learn how to pass like that <laughs> <laughs> yes like exactly. y'all really have not watched james Harden at all like dude it, it, like he's been playing like this and y'all act yeah. like he, just, he he as soon as he put on like a brooklyn completely changed his game and that wasn't the case at all yeah, I mean, same thing with P.J. Tucker. Now P.J. Tucker is oh, the yeah. greatest thing ever. Now he's going from team to team, and everybody's like, man, you got to have a P.J. Tucker on your team. And so it's just – I guess it's just what you have to deal with, being a Rockets fan and playing for the Rockets. But I, I think that if they win this year and then if they don't win this year and they have another high draft pick, if you get a win Yama, I have to expect that you're going to get a lot more nationally televised game next year. And, they, and I also expect the Rockets to be – a, a bigger player in free agency, not necessarily going out and getting the top free agent next year. But I still think that they're going to be trying to win next year, you know. And so you'll probably start seeing more nationally televised games. But at the same time, honestly, most of the nationally televised game, I really don't want to hear the announcers anyway. I'm fine hearing <laughs> the Craig Ackerman, Ryan Hollins. So <laughs> at the end of the day, hey, it may be actually a good thing because I don't really want to hear hand down, man down, or 
Mama, there goes that man. Or whatever else Mark Jackson will be saying on ESPN, I, I can really do without that. So, you know the rules. Oh, God. So Mama, I, that, actually, Mama there goes that man. Exactly. And we already know that Charles Barkley. dance. <laughs> all, all the one-liners, you know, I really don't want to have to hear that. We know we know like, Charles Barkley still doesn't like to rock. Come up with some new material, man. Like, he's been doing that same stuff for 20 years. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it may work out. It may work out better in the end. Um so uh, to wrap up the first segment, uh, Vader, I, I don't think we heard you. So what do you think the, the Rockets record is going to be after the first 20 games? Okay, so me looking he at this. He said on Charles Wistry. Remember he said on Charles Wistry. <laughs> yeah. I was, I said <laughs> oh, yeah, he did say 22 in a row. You know, taking off the homer goggles, I'm just looking at it. I'm yeah. kind of happy that the schedule was kind of crazy at the beginning. Like, I want them to do everything in their ability to try to win. But, you yeah. know, I don't know if this is the year. You know what I mean? Like. I don't want to. I don't want them to intentionally tank. I want our guys yeah. to get minutes and play. I want them to go out there and, and do for, to the best of their ability, try to get wins. And if we just and if we lose because we're not good enough, you know that's good. We're we're getting data points. We're able to evaluate where we are and what we need to bring yeah. in. So just looking at the schedule, I mean, ooh, some tough ones on here. Like yeah. we have two early games against Utah. I think those games are probably winnable considering um, yeah what's, what's happened out in Utah. Uh, Portland may be a winnable game, depending on like we really don't know what Portland looks like now. Portland is like a completely different team than what we saw. Yeah. Like they rolled out that um, I feel like the, the team they rolled out against us at the end of the year when they were trying to lose on purpose. <laughs> like you could go get any uh, G League team and beat that team. That's how bad that team was. I I never oh, yeah. I, I literally did not know who those guys were. I was afraid <laughs> that when they turned around, you would see like this the like the tape on the back of their jersey, <laughs> like their name written on it, and <laughs> like the temporary jersey they yeah, gave somebody. So I was like, who are these people? Like I've never seen this dude before in my life. But um, oh, yeah. so I think we have. Um, I'm saying maybe out of the first twenty games, I would say that there are five winnable games. Yeah, five winnable yeah. games that we can expect to win, and then hopefully maybe we can like squeeze out some games. I mean, because we do have games against, uh, we have a game against Orlando, um, and that's gonna be a that's gonna be a huge game. Like I feel like that game is gonna be really hyped. Um, I know that that was one of the ones that we mentioned earlier. I didn't mention yeah. it, but I do have it highlighted because like to me that's a must see game. You want you want to see Jabari go out there against Paulo. And you want to see like that. You want to see that matchup and see how it unfolds. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping Tari is um, in the rotation by that time. I know we, we might talk about that a little later. Yeah, definitely. but um, yeah. So I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking maybe if we're really just being realistic, I think uh, I think maybe five or six wins in the first twenty would be yeah. realistic. Yeah, and that's what both me and AD said. I mean, I think that's probably realistic. I mean, if they get anything more than six or seven wins, I think. I think Silas would be ecstatic. As much as people like to think that the front office wants the Rockets to lose even again this year, I think they would be ecstatic too if they can get over six or seven wins. Because at some point, Tim and Fertitta is going to want the Rockets to start winning because uh, that 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 pocketbook's going to start looking a little bit empty if they continue to lose year after year after year. So um, hey, I'm going to tell you what: we better not have we better not have more than five or six wins. I'm going to start printing T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the agenda pushing is going to be insane yeah, on know, Rockets yeah, Twitter. If the Rockets, gonna, Rockets, Rockets right. go ten and ten, <laughs> Rockets go ten and ten. Oh my God, people we already think ten, and 10 man. I'm gonna be a menace. Like <laughs> people already think Rockets Twitter is is insane and, and delusional and and 
and don't have any common <laughs> sense as it is. But man, just wait. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and the thing is, like, I, I know some people are really like serious about it. You know, I'm just yeah. kind of having fun. I, I think I, I told you before we got on air. Like to me, it's just trash talk. You know, how when yeah. you're growing up playing sports and you playing like you compete and you t- you know, and when you're talking to people on the other team, you talk a little trash. It's, it's yeah. you know, nobody's trying to fight or anything like that, but. You know, a little healthy trash talk, a little like barbershop conversation. You know, just that's all it is to me. I'm just having a good time. Oh yeah. Before Twitter, it was really just comment sections and and post on on comment boards back then. Oh, it was ten times worse than it is now. Between <laughs> going between fan bases, so yeah, this is because yeah, there was it was anonymous. There were no faces with it, so you could pretty exactly. much just say whatever you wanted, and there were no like there was no consequences. You weren't getting banned, or if you did get banned from anything, you just come back with a whole different account. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, just just wait. If if it's not this year, I think the uh, Rockets Twitter Revenge Tour is going to start next year. Oh. So I think other fan bases should get ready for. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be insufferable. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. Like I don't, I don't like, I don't take anything on there seriously. Like yeah. sometimes people, you know, and like they like I'm bookmarking this, and I'm like, okay, well, bookmark it. You know, I, <laughs> like I said something about like the Texans were going to the Super Bowl, and like you wouldn't be, you would, you would, you would not believe how many people I had in my mentions. Like, are you insane? I'm like, well, I might be, but like, oh, f- freezing cold takes. Here we come. <laughs> Then they were like, yeah, I'm bookmarking this. I'm coming back to this. And I'm like, okay, so when you come back, like, what is the conversation that you expect? (laughs) Oh, they expect you to deactivate your Twitter at that point. It's it's that serious. Be be disappointed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So uh, that's going to do it for the uh, first segment. Second segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, rotation and roster that we're expecting. Uh, Now that we have the schedule out, now we can kind of get a good idea of what we expect the Rockets going to do in the first 20 or so games and how that may influence the uh, roster going forward. So, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about that in the second segment, so please stick around. And uh, welcome back to Rocket Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. First segment, we were breaking down the schedule and what we were uh, what we were thinking was going to happen in the first 20 or so games. In the second segment, uh, myself, AD, and our special guest, uh, Vader, we're going to be talking about uh, the rotations and what, we, what we're what kind of expecting after we uh, talked about the schedule, what may happen later on in the season. We're going to be breaking down a little bit of the rotation because um, as we speak, the Rockets still do have Eric Gordon on the roster. I don't think we're going to see much movement from him, uh, from the Rockets regarding him. Uh, even up through probably the first part of the season. I think they're probably going to ride this out as long as they can because I don't think they're really in a big hurry to move Eric Gordon. I think they like Eric Gordon. I don't know if Eric Gordon's in a big hurry because if he was, the Rockets would have definitely moved on from from Eric Gordon by now like they did with P.J. Tucker. Um, So he's still on the roster as we speak. So, Veda, I want to start with you. What are you expecting from the uh, roster, the starting lineup, and like the uh, nine or ten-man rotation? All right, so – I'm going to tell you what I think Silas is probably going to go with. And I'm going to say, well, I'm going to start with what I want to see. I want to see, uh, I want to see Shingoon, um, Jabari Smith Jr. I would love to see Tari Eason earn a starting position. I just don't feel like that's going to happen right out, right off the, uh, right out the yeah. gate, obviously, because you got veteran guys at small forward who have not done anything technically to lose that position. So it, yeah. it really doesn't make sense to start him there. The, the, the reason that I want him to start, um, is because I feel like um, we drafted two guys who can help us 
uh, set that defensive identity that we have lacked for a while now. And, you know, we, we have two guys who I feel like are very different from anybody else on the roster. Two guys who um, we haven't we haven't really had guys like like Jabari Smith and um, and Tari Eason since probably that that year when we won 65 games. So that year, when you think back to it, you know, we had we had we had P.J. Tucker who was a dog lockdown defender. We had Trevor Ariza, who, you know, he wasn't as good of a defender as he once was, but he was still a really good defender. He got a lot of yeah. steals. He contested a lot of shots. He he made guys work for it. And then we had uh, we had Luke, and Luke was an extremely underrated defender. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize how, you know, there was a point in time in the year where I, I would argue with anybody that Luke was probably our best defender. Oh, yeah, he should have been starting honestly over Trevor Ariza. There, there was there was a time yeah. during that year before he messed his shoulder up, where man, you put that you could put that dude literally on anybody on the yeah. you know on the opposing team, and you felt pretty good that he was going to give that person hell. So like I remember that, and I'm thinking, and I'm looking at these guys and the way that they approached the their work during preseason, and that, it was super impressive. And I know it, was, I mean, not preseason, summer league, and then to me it was super impressive because I felt like those two guys <clears throat> in your starting lineup will set a tone, a tone that we may not necessarily have. Um, you know, we don't really know what kind of defender Shingun is going to be. We know that he is uh, very capable of getting blocks and getting steals and getting rebounds. But, like, at, I, we, we just don't really know. We don't really know. And I think that if you put, like, two guys around him with size who have, like, ability to recover, ability to help, ability to get in those pass lanes and get steals, also um, – I don't know. I, it just intrigues me. It's super intriguing. And then, of course, you know, you have to start Green and you have to start Kevin Porter Jr. right now. So that's the starting lineup that I would like to see. Um, I would like to see uh, Josh Christopher. Um, I always felt like if we did not have Jalen Green and we didn't have Kevin Porter Jr., I think we'd be hyping up uh, Josh Christopher a little bit more. I, I, I really like his skills. I really like the way that he, he approaches his work. Um, I think that he is a good locker room guy, you know, from by all accounts, from what we've been able to see, he's like one of those super positive guys who, you know, he seemed, it, it seems like other guys gravitate to be around him. And I just, I'm a, I'm a fan of Josh Christopher. I just don't know. And I fear, um, you know, having green and, and if Kevin Porter Jr. becomes a player that, that we all hope he can be, I, I don't know what his role eventually will be because I feel like he has the ability to outgrow a six man role. Like a six man role is very important and it's a very it's a very crucial part of any team. But I think he has the talent anyway to outgrow that role. But anyway, um, Tate, obviously, Tate's been working on his three ball. Hopefully, you know, that translates to the regular season. I want to see Knicks. Um, I feel like Knicks is a is a is a controversial player. The next two guys I'm going to mention are both controversial. That's Knicks and Garuba. I think both of those guys are kind of yeah. controversial in the Rockets community. We have people who are like, man, who have kind of already given up on both of those guys. And then we have people who are like who watched them like at, at, at with the with the Vipers, and they're like, "Hey, these guys have something to offer, you know. Yeah. Just give them an opportunity to get in and and um, you know, get comfortable, get in the rotation, get in a groove, and let's see what they can do." And I think I kind of fought like, you know, I'm an emotional fan, so like I could be watching the game and I'd be like, "Man, that dude's terrible," but like once I sit sit back and you know, kind of analyze it, I, I like a lot of the stuff that I've seen from Knicks. Um, yeah. when he was with the Vipers. And I think that some of those things can translate to the big club. I I, I would like to see him um, be more of a floor general just because we don't really have – we don't really have that. <clears throat> I would like to see him, like, you know, kind of be that guy that, like, Kevin Porter Jr. is like, a, you know, 
uh, hyper athletic, you know, combo guard type of guy. And I, I would like to kind of see Knicks be more of a distributor who can score. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like if we if he gets the minutes, we'll kind of be able to see uh, like what his what his role and what his niche is in the NBA. So I want him to get all the minutes that he can because I want to I want him to either sink or swim. And the only way we really know what we have with him is if he plays. And then I want to see Garuba play for the same reason, because um, a lot of people I feel like are don't are kind of off the Garuba train. I hear a lot of stuff about how, you know, we we probably hit on our other three out of the four draft picks from that from that draft. And it's very uncommon for you to hit on four first rounders like we did. So they kind of have written Garuba off. It's like, hey, you know, we got the other three. Right. We got Shingun. Right. We got uh, Jalen Green. Right. And we got Josh Christopher. Right. So if we if we don't hit on Garuba, it's OK. But I do feel like like when he was down with the Vipers, we saw him. Um, he did a lot of really good things with the Vipers. I know you cover the Vipers, so I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. But when he came up to the big squad, like we didn't see those big point totals and we didn't see like these highlight reel dunks and stuff like that. And I think people did. They kind of missed out on the little things that he did because he set he set really good uh, picks in a pick and roll. You know, he was good in the short roll. Like when he got the ball, he was able to pass the ball um, effectively out of that. Like his passing, honestly, to me, is underrated. I think people don't realize, like, for his position and what he's doing on the floor, he's a he's a really good passer for, like, what you need from a center. Um, he blocks out. He hustles. He plays, you know, he plays pretty solid decent defense. I feel like sometimes he gets out of position, but he's shown that he's able to recover. And I think um, some of the things that he is struggling with as far as, like, um, get him because he gets kind of really handsy out on the perimeter. And I don't know if that's just like a foreign basketball thing because Shangun does the same thing and they lease the fouls. So they kind of get out there and they get really handsy, hand checking, they they gamble, they reach and they get beat that way. But, you know, the best way in order to, to me, in order to like learn from those mistakes is by playing time. So I, I want Garuba out on the floor. I want Nick's out on the floor. And then um, to wrap that 10 man rotation up, um, I, I, I feel like we got to see what KJ can do. We got to see what KJ can do if 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 he really wants out, and we do kind of have a log jam at that position, and all these guys honestly aren't going to be here. So those are the ten guys for me: Shingun, Jabari, Tari, Jalen Green, KPJ, Josh Christopher, Tate, Garuba, Nix, and KJ. Now I think um, I know Tate. I mean I know uh, Stephen Silas is a. He seemed like he was a big Garrison Matthews fan. Um, I know Garrison Matthews is a guy who is uh, going to provide us, you know, floor spacing. So I could easily see Garrison Matthews being in the rotation and one of those guys that I would like to see play not in a rotation. Um, Eric Gordon, love Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, um, I'm hoping that, you know, Eric Gordon is on another team by um, the trade deadline, not because I dislike Eric Gordon, but just because we're at, like, he's he, he clearly is not on the timeline right now. He doesn't fit the timeline for what we need. Like, um, I don't mind him being here for a little while just to kind of, like, be a, a veteran leader you know, a guy who who plays hard on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's a as Clyde Drexler would always say, he's a consummate professional. You know, he's a guy you need that kind of veteran leadership on the team. But at some point, like I feel like um, we're playing with fire. Like that man can get us a first round draft pick um, when we need to like replenish our assets. And the more we play him at the age he is, I think the more we risk him getting injured and us not getting anything for him. So that's kind of how that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, I would like to not have Gordon and, and basically Garrison Matthews in the rotation, but I think to start the season, uh, definitely, obviously, Eric Gordon's probably going to start. Like, if we're being honest, if he doesn't start, it's going to be Tate. But it, 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 I'm I'm leaning probably towards Eric Gordon and in the, in the actual starting lineup when we when we tip off in October. 
And then I feel like Garrison Matthews is is a Silas favorite, and I feel like he's going to push somebody out of the rotation. And hopefully it's not KJ, because if it is KJ, we may start hearing, like, some rumbles again. So no Willie Cauley-Stein, huh? <laughs> I'm not – okay, so here's the thing with Willie Cauley-Stein. I like – He's he's he is that guy that uh what did they used to say looks like Tarzan plays like Jane because if you look at if you look at all of the like measurables like that dude looks like a monster he looks like a beast he was like the six pick in the draft he's a legit seven footer like he can he can probably test the top of the the you know the top of the square on the backboard like he looks like he should be able to do anything you want him to do but then when you and I'm not a big like advanced that advanced that guy I'm not a big statistics guy um I kind of use statistics if they fit my agenda. So like if you're if you're if your statistics if your statistics fit my agenda and the propaganda that I'm trying to push, then I like your statistics. And if your statistics, you know, don't, you know, tell me what I want to hear, then I may just be like, I'm going with the eye test on that. But like Willie Collie Stein has some really nasty, like, you know, he has some really nasty advanced stats. I was, you know, somebody was talking about it the other day and like he he's not the rebounder you think he is. He's not the defender you think he is. He's not the finisher that he should be, you know, for somebody that athletic and that tall and that gifted. So like I don't I don't even know. I don't have confidence that he can even beat out Bruno Fernando, to be honest with you. Like if they were both given, you know, a, a fair shake and an equal shake, I, I, I don't know. I he he may not be here. He's on a he's obviously on a prove it deal and he has to prove it. Um on Bruno, I, I just feel that Bruno is the best option to have at center. I mean, I don't think he got enough time last year. I know they were trying to get Garuba in there towards the end of the year. But when he was in there in a limited amount of time, I mean, he was their best option um, at backup center. So I just think Willie Colley Stein is kind of insurance. And then you still got Boban as well. So you still got him at the end of the bench. Um, so I just think that, yeah, they brought Willie Colley Stein in, but Bruno Fernando – still fairly young i think people kind of forget that if he's what he's like 25 years old i think he's 24 he might be younger than that yeah he might be 24 so i mean he's still fairly young so i I think that they're going to put them all out there in training camp see what happens and then kind of go from there because you know bruno's on a what a a zipic 10 deal um Mm -hmm. that could be converted to a two-way deal so i still think that he has a chance that he could still Know, possibly make the roster. Um, AD, so what do you see as far as the 9 or 10 man rotation um, going into next year, really going into training camp then preseason? I think fairly similar to Vader. Uh, of course, uh, starting, you know, to me, starting five, you're looking at KPJ, Jalen, Eric Gordon, obviously Jabari and Sangoon. Then I think you, you are going to have Dacia Nix because <clears throat> I think Ty Tyson probably playing a G League unless he outplays Dacia yeah. Nix. Um, then, I, of course, you know, you're going to have Tari Eason. He's going to be in there. Um, Jay Sean Tate going to be in there. And I don't know about KJ. I think KJ is going to have to scrap for some minutes uh, again or, or, or have a big camp, you know, because I'm not, I'm not really sure that we're going to see a lot from KJ. It's just not a lot of minutes left when you consider how much of those, you know, minutes at the three are going to be going to Gordon and Tate and Eason, you know. Um they obviously would love Garuba to be the backup five. I think we're still a year away from that being the case. Probably why they brought in Cauley Stein. Um, but I agree that Fernando's probably better as the, the backup five, the, the second second big. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a squeeze there between him and Fernando probably at least to start the season out. 
Um, so I guess that's probably my, you know, Garrison Matthews. I'm, I'm not, not really sure about Garrison Matthews. I think it'd be easy for Tari Easton to outplay him because, I mean, A, first-round pick, also is younger, also much better defender, you know. Um, jump shot, probably just as good. Maybe maybe Garrison Matthews give him a nod when it comes to a three-point shot. Yeah. Maybe he's got a little bit of a nod, but I just feel like all around what you're looking for, uh, I mean, Tari Easton could do more, obviously. You know, it's not even it's not even really a, a comparison. So when it comes to when it comes to the three behind EG and Tate, I think it's gonna be a crunch because again, Easton's probably that guy, but you got Garrison gonna try and fight for minutes. You got KJ want to prove that he got some value. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. But yeah, I, I think that's how I look at the t- the ten man rotation. Yeah, and I agree with y'all on Garrison Matthews. I mean, he had his moments last year when the whole Gary Bird thing happened, um, which kind of ironically, after that, after the Gary Bird stuff really started blowing up, he, that's when he really started to suck. Let's just be honest. I mean, it's crazy though. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Like the the way he was shooting, it was so unsustainable. Man, he had like the craziest. His, his like I said, I'm not a super stat guy, so like you'll you'll never see like a whole bunch of stats on my page, but. Um, like his advanced stats were insane. Like there was no way he was going to be able to like continue to play the way he was playing. He was, he yeah. was like out of his mind. Yeah, he hasn't been doing really that his whole career. Selection. Horrible shot selection. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> his, yeah, yeah. I mean, he hadn't really crazy. been doing that his whole career. That's kind of why he was with the Vipers to begin with because he was really inconsistent. That's why the Wizards didn't bring him back the year before. And then I think he tried. I think it was with Boston's training Boston, camp, yeah. and then they let him go because he just wasn't consistent. So. Yeah, it was great. He was shooting the threes, and he was making threes from midcourt, falling away, falling down. But, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, him playing 20, 30 minutes a game, it's just not it's not sustainable. There's no way they can do that again next year. He may play spot minutes here or there, but you really don't want somebody out there. Jalen Green's out there putting up 20, 30 points. is on fire, and then here you got you know Garrison Matthews taking a, a fadeaway midcourt shot off balance, falling down. You 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 can't really have that on the court for twenty minutes a game. So I kind of see him as kind of the odd man out next year. I actually think Boban probably will make the roster just because they 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 like having him at the end of the bench. And I mean he can play in certain circumstances. We saw against the Rockets, which again we saw everybody against the Rockets. He actually had some good moments against the Rockets last year, but. Uh, I think that Willie Collie Stein probably not going to make the roster. I mean, maybe he comes out and he finally found his team and he actually does something he hasn't really done his entire career, which is actually be consistent. But, I mean, just looking at the way his career has kind of played out, looking at how he played with the Mavericks last year, where he just kind of seemed like he was floating around for most of the year. If, he if didn't Luka really. Doncic, if Luca can't make you look good, like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know what we can do for you. Like, if, yeah. if you're on a team where Luca is running pick and roll with you, and you also, I think, didn't he go to Philly like with Harden? Yeah, and he only played like two games for Philadelphia because yeah, like he just can, he just couldn't get on the court. Yeah, so if, if Luca and uh, James Harden, two of the best pick and roll you know players we've seen in the game, can like figure out how to unlock you, I, I just don't. I don't know what we have here for you, man. Like, I, I hope <laughs> it works out. But <laughs> commercials, man. That's the value he's being commercials. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at this point, I mean, I, I just kind of think he's just an insurance, just in case. I don't know, Garuba can't stay healthy, which is definitely a possibility. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why he didn't really do anything last year for the even for the Vipers. He only played like five games for the Vipers because he was hurt, and they just brought, they went ahead and sent him back to Houston to be with the Houston training staff. 
Um, so, I mean, you he hope needs, that he, he needs can... to learn how to fall because he felt weird in the game the other day. Did you see that? Yeah, like, he, he felt like he, it looked like he, somebody from <laughs> wrestling like body slammed him when he fell on the ground, dude. I was... He did that with the Vipers as well. He just kind of seemed awkward at times where he yeah. he would fall a certain ways or when he was trying to foul somebody, he would he would foul a point where he seemed like he was about to throw out his shoulder. He just kind of seemed like really awkward. He's definitely the true definition of a a project player at this point. Yeah, so need to figure that out, man. Yeah, so it's no guarantee that he's even going to get playing time next year. I mean, the way you know he looks so far, he may be with the Vipers again to start the next year, which honestly I think that may be the best thing for him um, just so he can actually get real minutes on the court because yeah. if, if if everything is going to hold true to where they what they're saying as far as Shangoon, Shangoon's going to be on the court 25, 30 minutes a game. So, And Jabari Smith may actually be the backup five. I mean, we're talking that about all these other guys. Cool. Jabari may actually be the backup five at some point, so it may not even be that many minutes to go around um, for the backup five. Uh, One more thing before we wrap up the show, I want to ask y'all, what's one surprise that y'all think can possibly happen next year? I mean, it can be Jay Shantae shoots 37% from three, or Kevin Porter Jr. on average is one one turnover um, the entire season. What's one surprising stat or one thing that y'all – I uh, think may actually happen next year that a lot of people may not even be talking about. I'm going to say that Alperin Shingun gets five or six assists a game. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a good one. See, I, yeah. to me, I, I think that's very possible because, like, yeah. just him being a starter and just, like, when you extrapolated his minutes, like, he 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 had a, he averaged a lot of assists. And I think if yeah. they actually put the ball in his hands, like, I think he could definitely give five assists a game. Um, I'm hoping that – and I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I'm hoping Jalen Green takes a leap as a uh, secondary ball handler. Yeah. Um, because if you notice, like even again, even that Atlanta game towards the end of the year when he scored the 41 points, he actually had the ball a lot more than people realize. Like he yeah. he wasn't. So if you, if you go back and you look at how he started the year, there was a lot of the standing in the corner. You know, I was probably one of the people who, like, I, I could not stand the fact that he would go stand in the <laughs> yeah. corner and he would just stand over there and wait for the ball and either not get it or when he finally did get it, he had to shoot up a bad shot and miss it or he had or he just passed. And it, it kind of took away his aggressiveness. And then as you watch him progress through the year, the more responsibility he got with the ball, you know, his efficiency went up. Yeah. Well, his shots went up, his efficiency went up, um, his assists. I kind of feel like they didn't go up as much as I would have liked because I don't know. I think he was just focusing on scoring. So now I kind of feel like he is. I feel like he's comfortable in his role as a scorer. I would like to see now that we did not get, you know, we didn't get Paulo like some of us thought we were getting because that's what the media like fed us for like a, a couple months. <laughs> yeah, and you know him. I'm thinking that like. One one positive thing about not getting Paulo is that it is I think it will force Jalen into more of a ball handler's role, more of a distributor's role. And I feel like he can take another another leap, not just as a scorer, but as a person who's gonna like get more assists. I'd like to see him get maybe, you know, I think four assists a game would be like something that to me, like that's for your second year as a twenty year old, I think that, that would that would look good to me. Yeah, and actually, uh, Coach Silas mentioned that in that interview he had at Sports Talk 790 where he wants Jalen Green probably handling the ball more just because of Kevin Porter Jr.'s catch-and-shoot numbers, you know, giving him more of an opportunity to get more shots um, off of a pass instead of Kevin Porter Jr. handling the ball the majority of the time. So I think that's realistic that Jalen Green can, you know, eventually get up to four or five assists a game. 
And also, a thing I think is going to be a big surprise for some people is his defense next year. I think his on-ball defense is going to be a lot better uh, next year as well because I think he can be one of those guys that's a really good help defender just because of his overall athleticism, his timing. I think that he can really be a a really good help defender as well. So you've got Jabari Smith, who already know is going to be a really good help defender to a great help defender. And then I think Jalen Green can kind of take that step next year to where he's a a better on-ball defender. And he's getting stronger. Hey, and he's getting stronger because, you know, that's another thing Coach Sai said, that he's getting stronger. Not, you know, not yeah. necessarily he's gaining a bunch of weight and a bunch of muscle, but he's getting stronger overall. So I, I think that just overall, his overall game is going to be, you know, huge next year and it's going to be just a lot more than just his scoring. So, hey, we still got a couple more months before we actually see any games, but I think we still got a lot to look forward to uh, once training camp get around. One more. I also wouldn't be surprised if KPJ shoot forty percent from three this season. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a possibility. He's gonna have a, he's gonna have a lot more open shots. I think this year because I think teams yeah. are gonna be making it a point to double team. I mean, we saw last year Shane Goon as a rookie was getting double team consistently, um, right. going even going up against really good defenders. So you got him. You got Jalen Green's gonna get double team more. So Jabari Kevin Porter Jr. Jabari Smith's on the floor to help spread the floor out because last year. I like Jay Sean Tate. I think he's actually going to improve his three-point shooting. But last year, when Jay Sean Tate was on the court, they literally put their center 15 feet away from him under the basket and no. didn't even guard him. So you're going to have a lot more room to operate next year, and I think that's going to help Kevin Porter Jr. on his three-point shooting as well. So, yeah. I mean, if he shoots close to 40% from three next year, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that yeah. happens. So, I mean, that's definitely another thing to look forward to. Uh, before we wrap up the show, Vader, again, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your content? All right, I'm on Twitter. Uh, this is Vader and V A T O R. Um, it's Vader underscore H underscore Town. And um, if you're looking to see some uh, Rockets, Astros, and Texans content, you that's where to find me. And uh, also, my co-host AD. Won't you let everybody know where your uh, great content is? You can find me on Twitter at a underscore Duckett. I'm not Anthony Davis, so I don't play for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find me on this pod here, Rocket Field Podcast, as well. Yeah, and um, that was a great start to the podcast there, calling him Anthony <laughs> Davis. Uh, hopefully he's not too scarred for the rest of the Friday. He can watch the uh, Texans go out on the field later on tonight. Uh, I bet uh, but, up a basketball more recently than the real Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably won't get as hurt as much either, so uh, that's, that's, that's definitely, definitely a good true. thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for today's show. So, as usual, we appreciate everybody that comes by every week that watches our videos on YouTube, subscribe to us on uh, Whatever you get your uh, audio podcast, where it's Spotify, Apple, wherever you get uh, your, your download, your podcast. And as usual, we appreciate all the likes. And if you give us five stars, that's even better. So uh, make sure you check us out next week for another episode of the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans.